1: Shop Jermaine Ford of Beaver Creek, minutes away with an experience miles
0: above. Delivering the right car, the right price, the right way. Come see why more are choosing Jermaine Ford. Just off of 35 east of 675, Jermaine Ford of Beaver Creek. Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast with WHIO meteorologist McCall Rydags and Kirsty Zantini. Brought to you by Jermaine Ford and Beaver Creek. Remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play,
1: Stitcher, and WHIO.com.
2: Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. How are you? Good. How are you? Just living it up in the sunshine. <laughs> Finally. I know.
3: I actually did not wear a jacket to work today. Yes. I know that it was... Like, it's like right at that edge of yeah. where you could or couldn't wear a jacket. Mm-hmm. But I was being a rebel. I'm proud of you. Thanks. And the
2: sun actually feels warm at
3: mm-hmm. this point
2: in our lives now that we're at the end of March. I know. And it wasn't breezy or anything like that. So the temperature just felt, you know, know. like it should. I know. It was wonderful. One thing that wasn't great, though, we did have a couple more mornings this week where we were in the 20s. Mm-hmm. So we are in that critical time, I think, when you see the sun mm-hmm. and you want to start getting that yard ready. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're in southwest Ohio, so we know better. I know.
3: <laughs> I know. And I and it teases you because you start, even me, you know, I see some uh, flowers are starting to come mm-hmm. up. The grass is starting to come up, up again yep. as well. So it does give you that
2: false right thought that you could. Like, let's just do our garden this weekend because yeah. it's going to be so nice out. Uh, but we do know some Dayton statistics for you. April 19th is typically the last time that we hit um, 32 degrees on average, and then the latest we've had though is May twenty first oh, in my. Dayton, so that's pretty late. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not frequently. That doesn't frequently happen. Right. It's the record. It's the record for the latest thirty two degree reading we've had. Um, you know, so so we're gonna talk to someone who knows a lot more about. The gardening, the landscaping, the trees.
3: I have so many questions. We have
2: a lot of questions for him. So Just hopefully.
3: personal. McCall's
2: well, getting her house ready. She, she needs to know what to do. This
3: guest, uh, I've been on his show several times, and every time I go on, I, I think I ask him a garden question <laughs> for me personally.
2: <laughs> Well, we're going to do that again. (laughs) Uh, So Mark Weber is the host of Garden Talk. That is the show that McCall is referring to. It's on WHIO Radio 95.7 FM. You can listen to him on Saturday mornings from 6 to 9. He also owns his own landscaping uh, company, Mark Weber's Landscaping. It's full service, so he does not only consultations, tree risk management, landscape design, landscape installation, construction, maintenance, pretty much anything you need to know, including plant health care. And uh, just a lot of different services. We're also going to touch on trees and severe weather Mm -hmm. when we're talking to him because this is also an important time if you have trees in your um, yard. So we'll touch on that after. But um, good morning, Mark. How are you?
0: I am wonderful, ladies. How are you? We're
2: We're good. (laughs) So great to have you on. Are
0: you finally ready? Are you finally ready for it? We waited all winter for this.
2: I know. know. It's time. Spring is here. spring is here so are you are you getting into your is this like your busy season now? are you starting to get more calls like what's going on for you with with your landscaping and such
0: uh insanity is struck (laughs) (laughs) so everybody everybody's got everybody's finding something that they didn't know did exist or they ignored it from last year so it's really okay okay
3: Well, it's good, though, because that's, you know, putting money in your pocket.
0: (laughs) It just keeps me out of trouble is what it does.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'll start with a personal question. Okay. So at the end of last year, I think we were talking about how I had crabgrass, and um, I dug it all out. I put the fertilizer on it. Now I'm getting into the springtime, and I've got this patchy grass that's growing in my front yard. What should I be doing at this point? My neighbor told me I should put fertilizer down now to kill any leftover crabgrass that may be there. Is this what I should be doing?
0: Yes and no. I mean, it it, it depends on a couple different factors. One, you know, let's talk a little bit of how crabgrass prevention works. Um, The the whole purpose of crabgrass prevention is to put down a herbicide that's called a pre-emergent. And what it means is that you're applying something that's going to stop or inhibit the weed seed from growing to become a nuisance or be a problem later on. So these materials, when they're applied, are applied to the soil, and they chemically bond to what they call the soil colloidal surface. Now, I don't want to get too technical here, but what that means is chemically... Um, your soil has charges, electronic charges in it, This is just like um, a battery does. Mm-hmm. And so these materials connect to the soil, and by doing so, they bond to the soil. So when crabgrass or other weeds germinate, it provides this magical degree of control that um, stops the weed seeds from, from germinating. It basically creates a barrier. Now, for those materials to work, they have to be in the soil before the weed seeds germinate. Mm. So typically in Ohio, um, when we get soil temperatures of approximately, you know, 55 to 60 um, degrees um, Fahrenheit, that's when crabgrass germinates. Now, what's interesting, though, is growing degree days, and that's the number of growing degree days that we've had yet this far, we're already at the number of required growing degree days to get crabgrass to germinate.
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
0: Yeah. So what this, all this means is that we're at the time of the year that all we need is probably a week of fairly warm weather that we may be at that threshold of where crabgrass is going to likely um, germinate. Mm-hmm.
3: Now, when we so, were we were talking about <clears throat> grass seed, you know, like I said, uh, late last summer, and you were you said something interesting to me is that you have to pay attention to the grass seed that you buy, oh. because there may be some seeds in there that are weed seeds. Is that right?
0: Yeah, grass seed's a regulated product, meaning that to sell grass seed, you have to have a label on it, and that label has to provide for the percentage, what varieties of grass seed that are present. And more so, there's a little part of the tag that says inert matter. And that could be dirt, that could be weed seeds, that could be all kinds of things that aren't very beneficial for your lawn. So the quality of the seed that you purchase needs to be really scrutinized. And you do that by reading the label on on the bag and more so... They'll even tell you the percentage of germination of the seed as well. So oh. those are really important clues. And, and kind of the, the general rule of thumb is, is that the cheaper the seed, <laughs> um, the less likely it's going to perform for you. Because when you're buying grass seed, you're buying genetics. Okay. You're buying where people have spent lots of time and money and effort at. Selecting out uh, plants that are uniquely qualified to be in your landscape. And, and kind of think of plants as these amazing things that offer all these great genetic benefits to us. And we're not we're not saying there's 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 good genes and bad genes like everything else in, in the living world. But these genes are powerful, meaning that with grass seed, as with trees and shrubs, we have the ability to select plants based on their disease and insect resistance. So, for example, if you have an issue, let's say, with some insect called the hairy chinch bug, which really tears a lot of lawns up in southwest Ohio, if you would buy um, and select a turf-type tall fescue that has what they call endophytes, and those are a fungus that actually lives on the grass plant,
1: mm.
0: where every time a hairy chinch bug would eat your grass plant, that hairy chinch bug would die. It's ah. it's pretty cool. It's pretty. So it's you're you're basically buying, you know, these products are are, are designed to to provide you a, a lower maintenance landscape, but more so, you'll end up using less pesticides. Right. In the same same process by proper plant um, selection.
2: Interesting. Who would have thought? So it's worth your time to research what you're going to buy with the grass seed and maybe spend a little more on it because you're buying, like you said, better genes and a better grass that would perform for you. Yeah. Things that I would have never (laughs) thought about. No, neither would I. Fascinating. Well, and
0: genetics, genetics matter. And, and, and and a lot of people sometimes hear the word genetics and they mix up that with the whole controversy over GMOs and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But plants are unique is that they have variable genetic codes and, we we plant nerds have the ability to select and choose those um variable genetics to create plants that are better for and 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 we have the same thing with trees we have trees that um you know provide better fall color based because of the fact that we selected them from um, species of trees that had better fall color for example red maple which is extremely popular tree Mm -hmm. if the but I'd say probably 80 to 90% of all the red maples that naturally occur in nature don't turn red in the fall. They just don't. They, they're, they're green, and they lose their leaves, and that's it. They don't have red fall color. Mm. But if you select varieties that have the names like red sunset and autumn blaze, those are all varieties that have been specially selected for their autumn fall color. Interesting.
2: If that makes sense. It does. It does. It's so neat. So, McCall, I'm sorry, we're going to pull you away from no, your, personal mark, from your you, personal mark. That's fine. Thank you, Mark. Questions. <laughs> we're going to make a little more generic. So, we kind of touched on this in the beginning. Uh, now that we are transitioning out of March and into April, and we're getting those warm, sunny days, and you may get some sunny days that fall on a weekend. Um, What should people do now when we're still on that fringe of we can easily have some nights that drop below 32 degrees? What can people start doing safely in their gardens um, that you would suggest that wouldn't put them or, you know, allow them to waste money if they plant flowers that are sensitive or vegetables that are too sensitive?
0: Well, stay with lawn care, first of all. Okay. Um, A lot of lawns are in trouble related to a disease called snow mold. Oh, And that's where the turf was under um, snowpack for a lengthy period of time. And then you you throw on top the lengthy monsoon season that we've had. um, I was going to say, we were really
2: wet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So these kind of situations, we have a lot of grass that's extremely matted um, down. And because it's matted down, it's subject to uh, a fungus called snow mold. And snow mold will kill the crown of the grass plant. And um, I think I have not seen one yard yet that doesn't have a snow mold issue. Um, so what it would help if you just take, you know, five, ten minutes, walk around your yard with a leaf rake, and when you see grass that is pulled, you know, matted down or com- or compacted down, just take that leaf rake and just gently rake the, the lawn area, and you will achieve You'll relieve that issue of snow mold, um, and just by basically aerating the aerating the grass, mm-hmm. it's that simple. Then, um, and, and and that's one of the first things. The second thing that I would really recommend anybody to do, and this is kind of a basic of growing plants, um, is I would highly recommend that our folks that are listening today. Um, do a soil test. This is probably one of the most fundamental parts of growing anything. Soil testing allows us the ability to know um, uh, what the amount of nutrients our, our landscape needs and doesn't need. And uh, I spend a lot of time reading soil tests. And the thing that I see a lot is where landscapes are being over-fertilized. Believe it or not, we over-fertilize probably more trees than, than we need to. And the scary part is that when you over fertilize a tree, you can actually cause it to be more susceptible to diseases than insects. Oh. So, and insects. And, so, and the other thing that happens a lot is, is that why should we pay more for our fertilizer applications when we really don't need that much fertilizer applied to our landscape? So, it's kind of more of an intelligent approach, at, you know, attacking the issue based on the needs of the landscape, and we do that with what they call soil testing.
2: How would someone go about that? Would, 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 would low, with, low, with, low, with, low, you know, local landscaping company, is this something that they would buy? Soil test, in, you know, you can, you work?
0: can, yeah, soil tests can be done typically. You can do one yourself if you want, mm-hmm. um, but you need somebody to be able to read what the results mm-hmm. are. Okay. And that's where people like myself come in. I read a lot of soil tests for people and interpret the results and then come from there with some, you know, recommendations that can kind of lead them down the path to how much fertilizer they really need for their landscape.
2: Nice. Now heading into, um, you know, April and May, those two months, what timeline, I guess, would you suggest for someone that wants to start maybe building out their garden bed when it comes to planting flowers and such? Is there, um, you know, a time of... Of the year in, in May or April, where you're like, okay, now we could start or do this first and then move on. What kind of timeline would you give? Well, actually,
0: someone? we're there now.
2: Okay, <laughs> all right.
0: We're there now, yeah. And it's kind of well, plants that are seasonal, what, what, what we call annuals,
1: mm-hmm.
0: those live for one season and die. Right. Um, are are one or two groups? They're cool season or warm season. Okay. And cool season plants, i give you an example, a classic example that can be very safely planted now and they do very well, are pansies. Okay. Um, They're a great annual. They they tolerate cooler temperatures. In the world of vegetables, broccoli and cabbage and Brussels sprouts, um, leaf lettuce can be sowed now. Um, Garden peas, onions, potatoes, they all can be sowed now.
2: Perfect. Some of the hardier stuff. So there's,
0: they don't, don't wait till, for the weather to warm up. Get out and do it.
2: <laughs> nice. All right. Well, that, I mean, that's perfect. It could be as people do. They do. They want to get out, and why waste our sunny weekends that yeah. we get or some nice days after work that you could start working on your lawn, like you said, or you could start planting some of um, these hardier vegetables and, like you said, some of the annuals that can make it through the cool season. We're gonna transition, yeah, and let's
0: talk. Let's talk if if we can. Let's talk a little bit about grass seeding too.
2: Oh yeah, that's a um, big one. Especially yeah, because there's a <laughs> lot of spots.
0: Yeah, yeah. Grass seeding is is be, like we talked earlier. Pick and choose varieties that are genetically sound varieties. To um, put the grass seed in the freezer the night before you're going to sow it.
1: Okay.
0: And by doing, by doing that, you're going to break what they call a pericarp, and that surrounds the outside part of the seed. And that allow the seed to imbibe more water and make it germinate faster. It's just a little trick.
1: Interesting.
0: Um, then when you put the seed in the ground, you've got to get it into the ground. You can't be Johnny Appleseed like you were <laughs> back in January or February because it's not going to germinate. You're going to, have to physically rake it
1: mm-hmm. or
0: sow it and put it into the soil so that it has the ability to um, connect with the soil surface below the soil surface, so that the sea can imbibe water and germinate. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and get that done. Get that done now. Okay. Um, the the later you wait so grass seed, the less likely you are going to be successful. And and this is why because something's called summer is coming, <laughs> and this this stuff seed grass seed grass that we grow in this part of the world is Cool season, meaning it likes the it operates best in the cool season. It, and 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 we have a saying is, is that we, we grow grass in the in the spring and the fall and we maintain it in the summer and the winter.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a good so yeah,
0: yeah. So take advantage of the cool temperatures because those cool temperatures right now are, are ideal for establishing turf grass.
3: Yeah, I remember you, you telling me that. <clears throat> but um, as Kirsty, I think, was going to transition into uh, moving into severe weather season, can we talk a little bit about, like, tree health and yeah. how can people um, maintain their trees or what are signs they should look for if maybe the tree is a little weak and may not sustain itself through a severe weather event?
0: Yeah, well, trees can be, I say, we need to say this, trees can be green and healthy, mm-hmm. But structurally unsound. Okay. Say that again. A tree can be green and healthy and structurally unsound. While you can't have a tree that is completely dead and structurally sound. I know that sounds confusing. <laughs> but health health and structure kinda go dovetail together, but trees are made up of wood. And wood does something when it gets wet. It rots. Okay. Yeah, that's
1: true. And
0: so, what happens when trees get they have what they call defects, and those defects a lot of times related to the way that the branches are arranged, mm-hmm. or the way that there's been the tree sustained a wound years ago. Those those um, defects are what typically break in most most weather weather events. Now, the way that we measure what's likely to break or not likely to break is on the um what the average weather most what the the average weather temp, weather event is going to be mm-hmm. meaning that in my world I look at through the prism of what is the what's going to be the the average top sustained wind for thirty years and so everybody goes what's that yeah our our top average sustained wind for thirty years is about seventy five miles an hour wow. So when we're looking at you know potential for tree failure, I'm looking through the prism as if we got a 75 mile an hour wind event. What's the likelihood of this part of the tree breaking or not breaking? Okay. And from there, from there we come up. You know, we go through a, a number of different other things. But the bottom line is, is these defects in the most cases, and I've quoted to say this before, about 90. 95 to 90 percent of all defects in trees are foreseeable and preventable mm-hmm. regarding the likelihood of them failing. So that's where tree inspections are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to work with qualified arborists, and those are people that have gone through um, a level of, of training and education and certification. And those kind of folks you'll find is with the International Society of Border culture ISA for short. And they're basically what they call ANSI qualified arborists. They're people that have tested and it's been determined by, by the ISA that they meet the minimum knowledge requirements to be qualified to um, provide you advice about your landscape. Well,
1: that's and great.
0: Uh, they're... And that's that's much like like any other profession. it's It's one that requires continuing education. Mm-hmm. And we spend lots and lots of time learning and relearning things.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's important, you know these are if you've got some big trees in your yard, it's worth your time to mm-hmm. get a professional that can come out and know what they're looking for for you. and then you guys, I would assume, can help them make a plan for what to do next.
0: Correct. In, in mitigation wise, the part that's really important with with um, trees are is, is finding the defects before they break. Mm-hmm. I can't say that enough. I, I, mm-hmm. The worst call is is a call after after we get you know a, a fifty mile an hour wind and and the tree breaks in half and half of it's in their yard and half it's in, in the neighbor's yard yeah. and the conversation is well I want to save the tree. Well, at some point you're probably not going to be able to save the tree because everything in life has a limited life expectancy. And the idea is, is, is that we try to take and, and work with the situation to mitigate it or remove the likelihood of a failure. One of the classics is what we do with older trees, which was called, um, called re-entrenchment. And what that means is, is we look at a tree that, say, it's 200, 300 years old, and that tree, let's possibly, let's say, has two parts of it that, by our estimation, is very likely to break under normal weather conditions. So we say, okay, fine. That's where we come in and literally reduce the part that we think is going to break first. And by doing it, we reduce the size of the wound, and by reducing the size of the wound, we then we re- remove the very thing that's going to break in the next weather event wow, okay and we can make trees live for centuries longer by managing them well before they break yeah that makes sense
2: it does it does it's definitely worth worth your time and uh, mark Every time we talk to you, we learn something new. I know. <laughs> and we do want to say thank you for uh, dropping by with us to be able to talk not only about people, you know, with their grass health and their gardens and their tree health, um, but we really, really do we re- re- uh, appreciate it. And, you know, people can listen to you, right, Mark? How can they listen to you when you dive even deeper into some of these topics?
0: Yeah, for the, sometimes to the point of nauseam, but No. Um, <laughs> Sometimes I think like but no, we're on Saturday mornings. We start at six o'clock in the morning. I know it's an ungodly time of the day, <laughs> but we run, we run until nine o'clock and um, it's a fun show. I mean, yeah. I, I've done it for a long time. One of the things that I like to do is really push. I, I love callers. I love people mm-hmm. to call and ask me mm-hmm. questions. And one of my favorite things to do is we do it at the eight o'clock hour yeah and it's called what plant i am and and what that <laughs> is is i'm actually defined my i describe myself as a plant and i give the listeners clues and they have to figure out what i am <laughs> and if they can figure out what i am then they win a 25 five dollar gift card to know what gardens oh I awesome am.
2: nice well that's a great incentive so, So wake up early on Saturdays and listen to Mark. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. We appreciate you. You
0: ladies have a nice day shop jermaine ford of beaver creek minutes away with an experience miles above delivering the right car the right price the right way to the miami valley and beyond take advantage of our low price tire guarantee and extended service hours on saturday with same day appointments and mobile service options available our goal is to fix your car right the first time on time every time just off of 35 east of 675
2: jermaine ford of beaver creek Mark has so much knowledge. He's just Mm -hmm. an awesome guy. So, again, if you're not in the Miami Valley and you're listening to our podcast, you could still listen. Uh, News 95.7 FM here, Um, of course, if you're listening on a radio station. But also, whio.com has our radio tab, Mm -hmm. and they stream 95.7 live. So you could listen anywhere and get a lot more information. We had a really cool event in the sky this morning. Uh, Remember, it is, let's see, when are we recording this? March 27th. -hmm. And Jupiter, the moon, and Saturn were all very close in our early morning sky. It was gorgeous. We had a lot of great photos. And I do want to point out that for the rest of March and really into April, Venus is also going to be a fantastic early morning planet. So if you look to the east-southeast before sunrise, it's actually the third brightest object in our sky besides the sun and the moon. And then Mars is a good one for everyone when they're driving home from work or when you're out maybe after baseball practice with the kids you can look to the west right after sunset when it gets dark right away and you'll be able to find mars around eight o'clock that's when our sunset is on april 1st so a really great opportunity Mm -hmm. two planets that don't go away really for the next month or so they're here for a while they're great yeah
3: really exciting and now we're getting into that time of year where we start to see more and more things in the sky Mm -hmm. and we're actually going to see our first meteor shower of the spring i know and it's It's a a good one i was like it's a good meteor shower, you have a good chance to see some meteors uh, as long as the skies cooperate. Mm -hmm. This is the Lyrid meteor shower. It's going to peak in the evening of April 22nd into the dawn of April 23rd. The moon will be bright, unfortunately, so that does mean that it may dim out some of the other meteors Mm -hmm. as they're flying by. But usually there's about 10 to 20 per hour, so if it's far enough away from the dimness that is being cast off by the, the moon, you should be able to see some of them. The moon is also very close to the planet Jupiter that night so at least you'll get to see the
2: planet right so no matter what you at least get to see a planet then Mm -hmm. and in terms of our weather question mccall you had a hurricane related question that we wanted to briefly touch on yeah
3: someone was just uh asking about this upcoming hurricane season and Mm -hmm. asking about the names um but more specifically we retired two names this year um Because of how devastating and destructive these two hurricanes were in 2018, Hurricane Florence and Hurricane Michael have both been retired now, and they will be replaced with two new names coming into the hurricane
2: season of 2024. Right. So those two names are um, going to be Francine and Milton. So again, when that cycle returns in 2024, instead of Florence and... Uh, Michael you'll have Milton and Francine and when it comes to the 2019 uh, tropical storm for the Atlantic season names Andrea will be the first Mm -hmm. one this year and then the last name stormed if we were to go all the way to W is Wendy so um, that's just a little bit about the names of hurricanes and remember they do get retired when they are extremely destructive when they are deadly when you know they really leave a mark on society you don't want to churn up those feelings again so uh, they will uh, Um, World Meteorological Organization will retire those names
3: yeah so sadly they were very destructive and we covered both of those here on cloudy with a chance of podcast we did team coverage for Hurricane Florence where we had uh, two of our sister station meteorologists and former WHIO anchor Mm -hmm. John Paul on for uh, one of our uh, podcasts and then we also did Hurricane Michael with Um, Brian Wood, Mm -hmm. Assurance Storm Damage Analyst, and he went down there and talked about the devastation that was left behind by that hurricane. You can go back and listen to either of those
2: podcasts. Yeah, thanks again so much for listening to us today. Uh, You can continue to catch our episodes right here on whio.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate us, write a review, and if you ever have a question, find us on social media and send them to us.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile